Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 913 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles. Joined today, and today, just by James Dean Raider, the one and only, who was in Kansas City at a uh, bachelor party this weekend. That's probably all he's at liberty to discuss at this point, if I had to guess. JD, a good weekend? It was a fun weekend, yes. Got a good uh, scoped out um, the T-Mobile Center for a bit. I went to the uh, the basketball games. Um, Were those March Madness games? March Madness games, really? yeah, the Sweet 16 games. Who played? There, uh, I went to the uh, the Texas game, the did, Longhorns. Did they win? They won. All right. I went to the one they won. and So they uh, lost. They lost the next game. Oh, okay. They gotcha. lost yesterday, but I went uh, to the game. That they won on Friday. Nice. Okay. Well, what do you think about Kansas City? I've never been. A good place for NCAAs? Yeah, it'll be great. Um, pretty much anybody who has been to Kansas City is like, yeah, it's going to be great because you've got the T-Mobile um, Center, which I would I would say it's pretty similar to BOK um, oh. capacity and setup-wise. And then you've got uh, Power and Light, literally right next door. Why so. is it called that? Almost every city has power and light. What makes this so special? Extra power, extra light. I don't oh, know. Oh, extra. <laughs> extra power. All right, well, great. Now I'm looking more forward to it. Okay, we've got, we got news dumped as usual. Bernie Truax Jr. He's not really a junior. We just call him that around the office. Bernie Truax from Cal Poly, who has been fourth on three occasions at three weights. He's in pursuit of the fourth place stake. If he goes heavyweight next year, which is not going to happen, he's in the portal. That's the important part. And obviously, uh, he will be probably the number one most coveted uh, recruit in the portal right now. We also have, although, right there, Mitchell Messenbrink could also uh, join that conversation. As he's uh, California schools struggling to uh, yes, get their guys. Yes, it's it's very you know it's like a it's almost like a COVID thing. Like everyone's leaving California, <laughs> and now the wrestlers are leaving California. Um. But in all seriousness, uh, Truax in the portal is a huge shakeup for sure. Got to be tougher for Cal Poly. Of course, going in the portal is does not mean you are necessarily leaving that school. It means you are free to talk with other schools and potentially make a decision from there. It does give the schools that you're leaving some flexibility with your scholarship money, though. Um, I can't imagine that would be an issue with Bernie. He's got basically all the leverage in that situation. Right. So don't see... Um, you know, I would expect a lot of schools to entertain taking Bernie on for a year, including I think Penn State would be a kind of a seamless fit, potentially considering he's an 84-pounder uh, if he wanted to be. He wrestled at one. That's the interesting part is that he could basically go two weights. Yeah, a, a true two-way player, mm-hmm. except in wrestling, and two weights. I think... No, no matter where he goes, he's probably going to find success. I this one did surprise me as he seemed like someone who was doing a great job and and wrestling really well. He was good enough to win a title this year; it just didn't happen. Uh, so yeah, not a ton of. Uh, I, I mean, there's a there's a little bit of. I mean, I think the intel coming out is that he is looking at and interested in Penn State. Um, that's been confirmed, but how it'll play out beyond that, I'm I'm not as sure. And you look at some other teams that power teams that could potentially use a guy like him. Like if if AJ doesn't join the Hawkeyes, they need a ninety-seven for mm-hmm. sure. Um, 
I mean, what, Michigan could use them. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of teams that could use a, a big uh, a big transfer like Bernie. Um, so yeah, we'll see we'll see here where he winds up. We'll try to keep you posted as we we learn anything. Mitchell, I think he's down to a few different teams. I think Missouri's in the mix. I think um, I think oh, I think Penn State is in the mix there for Mitchell. And I'm trying to remember who else. There's there's a couple other teams. Um, vying for Mitch oh Cornell I think also mm-hmm. but I don't know how he fits see it's interesting with Mitchell because is he a 57 is he a 65 how does he view himself um you know is he going to take an Olympic redshirt next year which was a thought I know at one point is it still something he's he's considering and with those guys you go in the portal so early you have time to decide where you're going, you really can basically shop around and get go through almost a whole second recruiting process. Right. Um, as mentioned a while ago, Yaroslav Slavikuski's been in the portal for right. a while because he will have exhausted, I think, his time he can wrestle at Harvard. So be a lookout for a, a really high quality. I mean, he was the sixth seed this year. He did not place, but um, high caliber heavyweight on the move. I think Michigan was the talk there. We'll see if that materializes. Of course, Michigan was the talk for Woodley, and it never worked out there. But I think very different situation with, with Yaroslav. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him land at Michigan for his what I think would be his final season. I would assume so. And then to Seth Neville. You never really know anymore, though. You never know. There, there is some little um, – uh, Austin Gomez, uh, we can just talk about this. Like some uh, a Twitter account said, "Hey, I'm a fan of all of these wrestlers, but getting tired of dudes sticking around for six, seven, eight years enough is enough. Four years and keep him moving. This is getting ridiculous." And Gomez um, chimed in, "What what about the guys who battled injuries through their careers and haven't had the chance to compete in the national tournament for four years? If you were in our position, you would probably do the same things." So quick crying, appreciate good wrestlers and wrestling, which, as you all know, we agree with Austin. Um, they they messed the whole thing up with the COVID year. As we know, they should have um, just gave the people that were the the wrestlers, given the wrestlers that were impacted in an additional year and keep it moving, but they didn't do that. So, um, yeah, they're allowed to do it. Let them do it, I say. I'm excited. I'm excited we'll see Gomez back in the mix again next year, it sounds like. And interesting, he tweeted. So he won Mexican Nationals. So he is on their world team at 65 kilograms for Mexico. So he'll be representing them. No health permitting in uh, at the 2023 World Championships in Serbia. But then he, this little nugget, more interesting than that, because it was a foregone conclusion that Austin was going to make this team. More interesting than that, he said, he said, hey, good dinner, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, P.S., I weighed 141 today with the shush emoji, which we can't shush. Austin, you tweeted it. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why the shush emoji it's like saying it goes without saying in the proceeding to say. It goes without saying. Let me elaborate on this. And it goes without saying that Austin probably means he's considering going uh, 141 next year. Consider it. You're saying it goes with saying. It goes with saying. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you consider it, but it's not um, with Yanni leaving, potentially Sasso moving up. Um, it's... Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily an easier path at one point. Yeah, I would not want to go into the weight of Real Woods and Andrew Aliras. And especially with, you know, the exodus that you're describing. And also, 
he's beaten Sasso, right? Mm-hmm. Even if he did remain. So you you know you can beat him. If you will again is, is another question. But Yanni is gone. I'm I'm just surprised he would weigh that light, you know, with a with a weigh in that close. He he wrestled sixty five kilos, which is one forty three and change. Um so first of all, he was quite a bit under. Yeah, way under. Especially coming down from one forty nine and being slightly injured as well. So Yeah. Maybe maybe he was way lighter than naturally than I just assumed. Or maybe he's trolling and we're getting got right now. We could be getting got. It wouldn't be the first time we got got. Um, but he tweeted it. And we, you know what? I won't be ashamed of just believing people for what they say. Uh, it, it is interesting that he weighs that light. And another uh, American wrestler going to be in the ranks for um, the world championships. So we had Sebastian Rivera in there for Puerto Rico. He made the semis last year. Now we'll have, what, Austin Gomez in the mix at 65 kilograms. Uh, anyone else at that weight other than the American, the U.S. American that we send? <laughs> uh, probably, but I'm blinking off the top of my head. Yeah. Once upon a time, Franklin Gomez. Yeah. That was, a, that was quite a long time ago. Okay. Oh, we haven't mentioned yet. Helen Marulis could be on the show at 9 o'clock to talk about, um, well, myriad things. But most importantly, her upcoming documentary that is coming out March 30th. So Helen will be on in just 35 minutes. So we're going to kind of have an out-of-order show. We'll probably get to questions earlier in the show than usual. We're going to go over some team race stuff for next year, looking at returning team points, talk about next year's lineups among the uh, the top-tier teams. Uh, where do you want to go next, James? Let's dive into the next year's team race. Okay. So re- How much is Penn State going to win by? Man, I, I have Repeat to... Repeat again of this year? So I was looking at the uh, the team score, and if you added... If Nebraska and Iowa just became one team and they got all of Nebraska's points and all of Iowa's points, they would have lost to Penn State this year. That's how good... But both those teams were ranked second. I mean, Iowa finished second. Nebraska was ranked second at different points in time. How far they've separated, and like that's that's the separation that that Penn State has. And I don't recall a year where they had this kind of a lead uh, going into the upcoming season. We we'd have to go back. We do this about every year where we calculate the returning team points. But this this is stark. So let's get into that right now. So. Penn State returns 114 points. So basically, however many points they scored last year, we just roll them over to this year, right? Mm-hmm. Inexact science for sure, but it, it gives ball- you a decent picture. It ballparks it because it's all it's all the same for everyone. So that's you know third place points for Van Ness, second place for Haynes, first for Starachi and Brooks, et cetera, et cetera. And that's with losing Roman. That's with losing Max Dean. They return 114. Second place, this would be the show Ben misses. It's Missouri with 61 returning points. Then Cornell, 54 and a half. Then a tie for fourth between Iowa and NC State at 48 points. And then we go to Virginia Tech at 47. Um, Ohio State, 42. Now, Virginia Tech's big question is, will Makai Lewis return for his final, right. for his final season? That number, that number shrinks considerably if Makai's not there. 
because that's fourth place points. He probably scored 15-ish, which that takes you kind of down into the fringe top 10 range if, if he doesn't return. Though um, what this also doesn't, of course, consider is, is the help coming in um, for, for the upcoming teams. But what, what stuck out to you, J.D., for, this, uh, for the returning team points? I was losing a lot. Yeah. They lost, they're losing 34 and a half points this year, sliding down from second to fourth. And like you said, second place and not a close second yeah. place either. There's a scenario they score more team points at 125 next year than they did this year, which is a sentence we never thought we would utter. True. But Spencer bringing home sixth place points. You know, you look at the composition of 125, and there's there's a scenario Drake could, could outplace yeah. six next year when you consider you're losing Spencer, but also Pat Glory. Um, who else leaves that weight? I feel like there's another big gun. I, I keep thinking McKee is gone, but no, he will be back should he, should he choose to take his year. Um, let me look here. I have the bracket. Courtney's out oh, yeah, next Courtney. year. Cronin's out next year. Killian's out. Barnett's out. I don't know. I think Barnett's back. Is Barnett back? Barnett's back. We should be looking at Kozak's eligibility tracker. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's back. So, yeah, it, it loses a lot of talent. So I wouldn't be surprised. I hope we see Drake in some freestyle uh, just to kind of see where he's at. He looked good uh, at, at the salute pre-Spencer. Um, anything else stick out? Let, let's think who has like the most help on the way as well, JD. Um, Coming in from the, the freshman class yeah. or potential portal? Yeah, well, e- either. Portals, we don't know, but freshman class, we have a, a, a better idea. for. So like for Penn State, who could they add? Like you would, we hope Robbie Howard's back and healthy. Mm-hmm. I would assume 125 for him. The then the one, question is who goes 133? That could be a, you know, just kind of a random roster guy. You see that from maybe you bump Steen, potentially. Even though I think he's, you know, best suited for twenty five, but that that wasn't uh, uh, the best situation for Gary either. Um, so I don't know. But what? Who else could they add? Because they're pretty well set. They got Barr coming in and Kasek coming in, but I'm not sure if those guys are in the lineup right away. Yeah. So Kasek. And Barr, both, I think there is a scenario they would wrestle, but, uh, you know, for Kasak would be a 57, and so that, that assumes a couple things. One, Levi's going up, which is all but assumed and confirmed that he's he's moving up. He'll never wrestle 157 again. But then it also assumes, you know, high level of readiness, right? Because remember, the question Kasek, up until— I think, might be 49. And I don't know. That's the other thing. I don't think he's a, a a 57 either at this point. I don't think so either. Like Levi certainly was. He was 57 and then some. But I don't think Kasek. So I I think it's more likely you see Bearclaw, um, provided he's back, which I'm pretty sure he is. Um, we should just assume all these guys are back. Bearclaw definitely still has eligibility. So I think it'd be him, and I think there's no no reason to kind of rush a uh, a true freshman out there that's maybe not ready, and certainly if they're not. Uh, the right size, and then Haynes goes up. Bar Bar is interesting if they don't get any transfers or anything at eighty four, but I think even he's someone that would really benefit from me. I'm still and he lo- he lost to to Rocco Welsh again 
at the Pittsburgh Ra- Wrestling Classic, which yep, over time two in a row for 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 Welsh over him. Who's he's going to Ohio State? Bart. He's definitely a guy. I think Welsh we could see come in right away potentially. Really? Because they'll well they'll need to replace. Um, it, it depends if Harshla moves up to seventy four because I'm assuming Welsh is probably a seventy four guy. That'll take. The spot, but if Hartson wants to say sixty-five, they're going to need to replace Smith. See, I would assume. Uh, I am just like assuming because I've been hearing since Hartson's like freshman year, he's wanting to move up, and I just think now it's like, okay, Smith's gone. You can move up. Patty can move up if if Sammy moves up. So mm-hmm. I think we'll see a decent amount of of bumping there, and they're in the 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 Messenbrink sweepstakes as well. Though I don't know if he's, I don't know how viable an option they are, but I know they're in their his kind of final five. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I don't know. I would be surprised to see Welsh next year. I would be surprised to see Barr because he's still a, while he has the frame to be a, an 84, I don't think he's there at this no. point. So I think he could benefit from a year. So I don't know if we see any of the Penn State true freshmen take the mat next year. Uh, they, Braden Davis is coming in, but I think he's someone else that would benefit from, from a year just training. So I don't see and no Levi Haynes types. And and remember it was it was January, late January before Haynes was out. It was, I think it was the Iowa duel or one after that. Michigan, maybe. Mm-hmm. So maybe even February before he was out. So maybe a scenario you see you see him wrestle a couple duels for a semester. True. Test the waters. That's a great wrinkle. Uh that I, we still are forgetting about Missouri. Now they've got they've got some firepower coming back. I know um, Josh Edmond should be in the in the mix for them. They're gonna have him back. I'm assuming he'll go 41 with Mahler still there at 49. Zeke Seltzer gonna join. Noah Certain's back, so they they'll have a decent amount of um, tough guys at every weight. But man, you just don't see uh, anyone even within. The realm of, of of Penn State right now, barring some real shakeups in the with the transfer portal. Uh, right. Do you want to talk through some some of the lineups? Let's get into them. Okay. So you know what one kind of excites me the most? What Cornell? Speak on it. Cornell's going to be fun. Obviously, they use lose Yanni, but slide right in Meyer Shapiro, essentially and- the best. Freshman, we're going to see next. Year. I I've I've thought he's the be- been the best high school wrestler all year long. Um, I mean, he's been showing out at Jack's Forest has won multiple opens as well. But I I think he's he's we still got some time before we see Jacks. Yeah, Jacks is. I'm wondering. I mean, as good as he is, like you really do all four years of high school. Do you maybe go somewhere a year early? I'm curious how that how that all play out. As good as he is right now, I mean, I'll be. Decent chance he'll do the Demarche Pyro Levi Haynes route and take that senior year off. Go train at the RTC wherever he chooses to go to college. It's not competing for a Pennsylvania State title right now, anyways. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like he's going to be in pursuit of four. Uh, but Meyer is someone that man, the Cornell. Everyone associated with Cornell is just couldn't be higher on on mm-hmm. him as a prospect and how good he is. And um, they they fully expect him to come in and contend right away and. When you hear that out of that room, it's not a, 
you know, you, you, you talk to coaches and you get some bravado and they, they, they exacerbate, but the, the Cornell staff and people associated with that program are, they, they, they don't miss. So I fully expect him to come in and place, contend for, for placing high placement at 149 next year. He's, I think he's that good. I, I think so too. Plus, we get the return of NCAOW veto, and it's like, can he? We've said this before, veto, ups, ups and downs. Um, so I, I don't think we're going to see NCA's veto every time out. But did this sort of also unlock something in him where he can continue, where he can raise his level and maintain it at least a little, little the, better? The word unlock is the word I had too, like. You know, what we saw, like, does that just, like... And, and the good thing is we'll see him in freestyle uh, almost assuredly at the Open. Yep. So we'll get to kind of know. But I, I felt the same way. And you look at 33 next year, Dayton's obviously back. Uh, Latona's back, which is, you know, not no- normally... You're not normally noting the seventh-place returner, but he's a guy with right. a win and the closest match that he gave that Vito had at all NCAAs. So for that reason, I think he's someone that you could say, man, is Vito going to score 20, 23 points next year at NCAAs? He could be that guy. Mm-hmm. If you do that, and then you get, you got some other work to do elsewhere, but that's just such a huge boost to your team performance if you can get one guy placing like that. Oh Yeah, plus you get Brett Unger at 125, another year under his belt. I like, uh, I like his upside. Cornella did not have the tournament. He wanted well, to. Swiderski knocked him out on the backside. Remember, he was beating Swiderski by 12. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. Like, Cornella was looking great, and then he got mixed. And then it's like, okay, well, that tournament, now your tournament's over. Mm-hmm. So Unger lost to Cardinale, um, who has who you know, had a fantastic year. And who, what was his other loss on the top side? Um, be faster, Christian. All right, I'll find it later. Pull up brackets here. I've got it. Okay, he beat Ryan Miller. So he lost to Glory and Cardinal last year. So not exact, he didn't exactly flame out at NCAs. He lost to Cardinal, who was the ultimate wild card coming into this because everyone knows. I mean, coming into the year, you're, you're thinking Killian is someone, if healthy, and opposite Spencer, maybe he can, he can you know, make a semi, right? Maybe he can push a Patrick Glory. And then you kind of got some validation there with the tournament that he had. He wrestled really, really well. So no shame in those losses for him. For Cornella, he loses to Swiderski on the backside. And then who beat him on the top? Oh, Lachlan McNeil, who you want to talk about unlocked. What a tournament from him. Cornella has beaten UNC. him. Cornella, yes, yes, that's right. So let's look, let's look at McNeil's tournament. So he beats Cole Matten. Vince Cornella, he loses 6-4 to Alirez, which was as close as his match with Real Woods. He drops down to the round of 12. He beats uh, Malik Hines. He beats D'Amelio. He beats Hardy. And then uh, before falling to Bartlett for, for third place. So a really, really strong tournament for him. And a lot of excitement for, for UNC moving forward. I'm assuming he, he remains at, at 141. Although he he's good size, so maybe we see him move up. I don't know. But we're talking about Cornell right now. They also have uh, Cole Handlevic coming in. Um, 
potentially next year. Ramirez, Foca, Lowe. Well, Hanlevick was their guy this year. Oh, okay, yeah. He, he's back. Yeah. He had a very average year. So probably they're, that's their, their <clears throat> weaker weight. And then, yep. But then they roll out the same um, back half that we thought we would see this year. Of course, Lowe and Hernandez were out at the end with injury. But going R- Ramirez, who is a top four or five seed, Foca, who finished third, Lowe, who was an All-American, Cardenas, an All-American, Fernandez, who was around 12 last year. And we're sure Lowe can't compete for Cornell next year? No. Okay. I don't know that. Because <laughs> um, he definitely has another year of eligibility, but sometimes it's weird with the Ivies. I think if he took 2021 or 2022 off, mm-hmm. like from school, I think he'd be good to go, but maybe I'm not sure on yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Well, I would hope uh, hope we can see him again. If not, that would be a pretty big loss for for Cornell. And so, yeah, that's a, a really strong, uh, really, really strong team. And to me, a team that could, could contend for that second-place spot for sure. Okay, take a look at... So, Iowa. Maybe a little interest in this team. So this it's gonna get most interesting around forty nine, fifty seven, and ninety seven. So for forty nine and fifty seven, you think some combination of Seabricht, Chittum, um in in or Before we for, get on Iowa, good call Ross Patton. Lachlan McNeil, he's gonna be a sixty five kilo guy out in the wild. That's right. That's right. So we will see for him. Canada. We will see him at, at Serbia as well. I probably did Canadian Nationals one week before NCAs. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, okay, well, that, that doesn't bode well. International <laughs> travel one week before, and it's like, well, he's a savage. It doesn't matter. Got fourth. Best tournament of his um, NCAA career for sure. Still got a hunch. Um, Coach, uh, Coach Tony Ramos um, and uh, Scott might uh, have some words with the Canadian Federation and be like, hey, can you put this back two weeks? Yeah, back it up. or, or No, <laughs> not on the qualifier. Um, yeah. So that's that's huge for them to have him back. And, and on the world stage is, is, is cool as well. Okay. <laughs> Someone said thanks for the six, 15 seconds on Missouri. We talked more than 15 seconds. I'm sure it was minutes. You know, Ben has often said Keegan going to move up to 174, he thinks, in his career. I don't think next year's the... I don't think he did. Well, first of all, Peyton's there. Mm -hmm. Not going to bump him out. But also, looking at him, he doesn't look like that big to me. Ben said that. It shocked me, but... Yeah. I mean, mean, he was a 57-pounder his true freshman year, just went up because mm-hmm. well he went up because he lost a ranking match to Jared JQs which is one of the more confusing wrestle off results uh of this century <laughs> um also if you haven't seen funky 2.0 please check it out i watched it uh for the first time yesterday great job great story um good for the youths to watch and check it out very cool all right so, Back on Iowa or, or back on, on Iowa. Back on Iowa. Okay. So I, I think we see Chittum next year. He's te- he'll technically be a true freshman, but he's been at Iowa City 
the last year or so, training there with the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and, and Coach Dennis. He's he's ready to go. It's just a matter of which weight for him. I think he will have a, a clear path to start. It's just a matter of what weight Iowa and Cody determine as his best option. That's my read. Could we get, say he goes 49, true freshman, true freshman, NCAA final? Are you saying uh, Chittum for uh, Shapiro? That would be fireworks. We could see it. I mean, they could be wrestling each other for the title of best true freshman next year. That's a good point, too. Um, we should pull up that big board. I mean, if it's not an NCAA final. No, I, I agree. Um, and I don't think that's cart up in front of the horse. And if it is, well, that's what we do on the show sometimes. That's where we put the cart. We'll put it where we'll put the cart wherever we please. I think Chittum's that good. I think Shapiro's that good. Um, I mean, we're talking about McNeil winning Canadian Nationals. Uh, Cody Chittum was out here senior level rankings tournament. Yes, winning medals. Yes, this yes. year. That's not uh, that's not an insignificant accomplishment. And and the thing with Cody that gives you some assurance. Well, you have assurances with both Meyer and Cody, like. You watch Cody, you know the physicality is not going to be an issue with right. him. He is strong, he's powerful, he's not going to be overwhelmed by the by the college ground. And I really don't, you know, that's such a, it's almost a narrative that it was so prevalent for so long, and now it's like, it's so rare. I mean, how how many true freshmen do you see come in and get overwhelmed because of, like, the physicality? Like, these guys are just so much more prepared generally. But it's actually going to be a weapon for Cody, I guess is what I'm what I actually mean. Mm-hmm. I I agree, and I think part of that is these guys wrestle college guys, yeah. Now and senior level guys when they're in high school regularly, all the time. That was not the case, um, you know, ten ten years ago. And it kind of it's similar to I think a discussion that was started this weekend about sport specialized specialization mm-hmm. um, amongst uh, kids, and I, I would like to get Ben's take on it. Maybe we can. Table that talk till deeper till till next week, but um, it is an interesting discussion. He's talked a little bit about it, and he's he's genuinely kind of believes like I think you need to specialize. At some point, you got to like say, "Hey, this is my thing." Mm -hmm. I think early on, elementary and probably middle school, I think he's his his perspective is yeah to try other sports, but at some point, you've got to really focus in and lock in on what you're what you're trying to do if you have if you have goals to be at the next level and you're not a heavyweight if you're not a, a if you're not ben <laughs> keeter you know superstar football wrestler guy like generally there, it's really hard to be a, a multi-sport athlete um at that level at that level you can obviously have really really good success but i think it's it's more rare now and it's going to become rare i think um someone tweeted that i forget who um, but it, it does seem to be trending that way. Um, yeah, and we have assurance with Meyer because we've seen him in college opens and, and do a really good job as well. So we've seen them both do it, whereas it's not that element of mystery. And then so for, for Iowa, does Chittum go 49 or 57? Does Ferrari, you know, you know, Ferrari has committed to Iowa, but that's just, you know, Caleb could make that same post. Like it, there, there's nothing necessarily behind it. It does seem to indicate there is interest that Iowa does want him on the team, but you can you can make a post and that you know there's there's been other wrestlers and recruits that just put it out there. Yeah, I'm going here, 
And the coaches are like, we have literally never talked to these. <laughs> we have literally never talked to these people. Now, I don't think that's the case with Ferrari, but that is a thing that happens. It, it happens. It's also, um, we haven't seen that Ferrari wrestle in two or three years. Yeah. Like, how, how, where is he going to be at? How good is he? he he's, that's, he's a mystery. He is a mystery. He's genu- uh, generally been really high caliber anytime he's ever competed. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was Super 32 finalist um, coming out of high school, but didn't compete his senior year of high school, and we didn't see him at all last year, which would have been his freshman year, true freshman year in college mm-hmm. this season. So I'm not predicting that he fell off and is now all of a sudden bad at wrestling, but I might uh, might need to get some eyes on him, Hopefully, hopefully at the Open. That would be interesting if we saw him at the open. Uh, we would learn a lot there, um, especially if he's cornered. I'm not sure if he's junior eligible or not. Seems like he would not be, but I'm not sure. He might be right on on the bubble there. So we could see him. I mean, he would be an interesting guy at 57. I don't think he can make 49, but there's there's a thought that Chittum potentially could. And then for Iowa, you know, Kennedy brands Assad. I'm assuming. They rolled out those three again, and Cassiope at heavyweight for sure. And then 97 will be another question. Is, is it Colby Franklin? Is it is Glazier back? Do they hit the portal? Does Anthony's brother AJ? <laughs> that's the big one right that's, there. That's uh, That would be a that's guy. That's the question. Yeah, if they get him, then um, there's a you know 16 to 20 more points on your team. Uh, of course, I've already mentioned that. My expectation is that Aaron Brooks is going to move up to 197 next year. So we'll take a look uh, at the potential matchup there. But I think AJ still got some hurdles before that's reality for him. And then at the lightweights, Ayala and Teske, 25-33, and then 41, Real Woods. Don't expect any changes there. Yeah. No, I don't think so. So You know, you have a couple, a couple rocks there that you had this season for Iowa, but a lot of new guys, a whole lot of questions, too. It'll be a it'll be a fun ride for the Hawkeyes yeah. next year. It'll be they, re- really fun. And they have, I think, like I said, they they do lose a lot, and it's kind of alarming at first when you see you know them tied for fourth or whatever, and that they're losing thirty four and a half team points. But they've got upside. That's what what they'll have going into this year. They might not be preseason ranked um, in the top three, but. A lot of upside with with guys like Chittum, Ferrari, and Ayala. Yes, no no doubt about it. Um. Okay. And Go ahead. It was when you said you mentioned Brooks moving up. Um, kind of got me thinking. How bad is the pull for Levi Haynes that you need to move up to? the country's deepest weight class and abandon the weight you just made the finals and the champ is leaving. Well, also recall he could redshirt, uh, redshirt right? He has that um he has that option. So, we could we could see that. But mentally do you go I just made the finals. The guy that beat me in the finals is leaving the weight class. Yeah. Do you tough it out for a year? You know, maybe they do consider that, but I it just it just sounded like everything you heard is like no, too big, 
did it this year, but not realistic again. And I think Levi Haynes is an example of a lot of people talk about how Penn State guys, part of their success is that they don't cut weight. They do this. When it's necessary for the team, for sure. You think those David, guys suck, suck some weight. You think David Taylor wasn't cutting weight his senior year and, and probably his junior year as well? He was. Um, he was. Look at the transformation his body made. Hundred percent immediately. No, Aaron. Aaron certainly had a cut this year. Um, yeah, it's happened. I mean, try now, and think of others. Now some guys, you know, they, they. Uh, if it's okay for the team. They'll bump up. Yeah, but. exactly. We see Bo, Bo, 74, 84, 97. Quentin Wright, 74, 84, 97. Um, but like Mark Hall, I, when I say Mark was, Mark and Shinzo both, I think, had decent cuts, or at least I think Mark did. It was tough for him um, at times. So, yeah. And he, I'm just saying, I think that narrative kind of gets blown up <clears throat> out of proportion a little bit more um, than necessary. Um, pretty much any team now. Um, it's like if you're really good and there's nobody at the weight, you can move up. Yeah. I feel like now if it's if we have a much better lineup, any team that's if there's NCAA champion level caliber guys above, you're probably gonna get stuck at your weight. Yeah. Yeah, it it is I do think that is a narrative that's probably like not not necessarily the case. Like they cut weight, I think they do it in a in a way that it it's not counter to their their performance for sure, and that's probably why it sticks out because you don't see these guys falling off a cliff. I mean, last you know you saw the Altons definitely <laughs> did, but really it's pretty rare to see their their guys um, wear out. I agree. Okay, so we talked about for now. We talked about Iowa. Um, do you want to get into wait, so many so many good articles? Talking about the, uh, you know, by the numbers, the states stuff. Everyone always loves that. Um, Pennsylvania Everybody once again. Everyone always loves the state stuff, and it's basically the same every year. It's, it really it's the is. same discussion every year. Um, Pennsylvania, Illinois, New Jersey, California, Ohio uh, were the mo- were the, had the most All Americans that. Or P- Pennsylvania, Illinois moving up in eighth. They had one at every spot. Do you know that? Did it? A champ, a second, a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth for eight total All Americans. So stuff. Great distribution from from Illinois. But yeah, nothing. Uh, but per capita, this is where JD really lights up. He loves the per capita talk because that puts Iowa just behind North Dakota in the uh, per capita All Americans. Is North Dakota the best wrestling state in America? In America, it could be said. And if America's the best in the world, then is North Dakota the best place to come from in wrestling? That's possible as well. Should everybody move to Fargo? Should everyone look into it? I'm sure Roger Kish would be a fan of this uh, suggestion. That would not do great numbers for their per capita, though. No. See, that's the problem. The yin and yang of this dynamic. All right. Oh, let's go to some questions. We talked about this. Now we did it. Um, do former Hodge winners who are still in school get to vote? Uh, dispensably get two votes this year. Yeah, I believe you do. Once you win, once you win, you get to vote for someone, including yourself. Um, he should, but for sure was Chris. So yeah, I'm sure Spencer got to vote if he wanted to. Day going four for four at different weights was impressive, but how would you compare Bernie Truax going fourth 
for four at four different weights. The real four timer. The real four timer. He could do so. You know how Dake does uh, four four four. Uh huh. He could do four 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 four. Yeah. Four 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 times four. Times four. <laughs> I don't know. You just said four a lot. Um, fourth place at four weights. Wait, that's it. Four, 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 fourth place, four years, four places, four weights. Yeah. For justice. Yeah. So if he does that, yeah, Kyle had it kind of easy because you got to be pretty strategic when you lose, right? To get fourth exactly. You got to lose at the right point. You got to win and then you got to lose again. They just had to win. This is what Andy Hamilton and I were talking about. He, he kind of took the easy way out winning it four times. Bernie going up to heavyweight. But he's way too small, and it's not going to happen. But it's kind of funny to talk about. Younger did it this year, B. Fernandez. He did what? The the Iowa State bump when Younger oh, yeah. wrestled heavyweight. <laughs> That's true. Younger. And he beat Fernandez, who uh, I think his highest rank this year was like 10 or 9 or 8 mm-hmm. or 7 even maybe. Yeah. But that range, Ernie outplaced Younger. Could he, could he slide right in at fourth? <laughs> He's ready to do it. He's ready to get fourth at heavyweight. Nikki Freestyle wants to know what weights will be contested at World Team Trials for men's freestyle. So my expectation is that six, 61. Um, well, it, at weights where there was no medal right. this year. So is that's where 61. Be World Team Trials. And then I think 92 because Jaden's moving up. Right. And then heavyweight. So those three. Now, what would throw a wrinkle is if someone like, hypothetically, Gilman said, no, I'm moving up, or no, I'm not accepting my spot, whatever. If anyone says I'm not, then that weight would get thrown back into it. But I think the expectation is all these guys are going to accept their spots, save Jaden, who's moving up to, to 97. Which we will know for sure. April 10th. Is that the date? Or 10. Yes. At 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Mountain Time. Kevin Mulder says, Matt Ramos double leg Spencer to his back. Had that ever happened to Spencer in a college match? Uh, is this evidence that Spencer wasn't 100% with his mobility? I was stunned by that takedown and back points. So the other time I remember Spencer getting his doors blown off on a double leg was I think his freshman year against Zeke Moisey in the duel. And no one probably remembers this match because he killed him. I think he either teched him or pinned him ultimately. But in the beginning... Zeke hit him with a really, really hard double leg, but Spencer recovered and uh, just gave up two. But it was it was a kind of a double leg, powerful double leg that like could have put him on his back. I think I don't know that it is evidence of anything. I think the the near fall was more about Spencer not conceding the takedown and trying to kind of pop him through. If you because I rewatched it this morning and. He really tried to like avoid even the takedown altogether, and then that ultimately landed him on his back, and so he gives up the two and two. But I don't know if uh, JD has a different opinion on it. Um, no, and also it wasn't with a double, but uh, Ramos did put Spencer on his back in their first match. He did this season. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't through a blast double, but. I think Ramos is just dangerous. Yeah, extremely, extremely dangerous wrestler. Um, okay, hey, we are going to we're going to be right back. We're not going anywhere, for the record. We're going to show uh, a, a 
trailer, a two-minute trailer. It's really, really good of uh, the documentary about Helen Marulis, Believe. And then we'll be back with, with Helen Marulis. So watch this, and then Helen will be on. Four to five sets squat, four to five sets pull up, carry with twist hold. Why are we doing four to five on the squat? Because we need it. Like for what? To get strong. Okay. All right. Four would be the lowest. Well, if we need it and we, <laughs> we can't do it without it, we do need and it. it's bust without it, then I guess we're doing we're it. We're doing it. I just don't want the knee talking to you. I don't want anything to come up mentally or anything like that. So it's your comfort in the position. What matters is that we have the isometric, the four seconds. I'm just gonna listen to my body because every time I haven't, I've regretted it. No. When she showed up at my doorstep, I had no idea that she had actually literally driven straight from Utah, the mental institution, to come down here to our door as the last stop or basically the last hope before I have to hang this whole thing up. And here we go. Smooth and steady, just getting a feel right now. Ooh, I like this. Four up, down one, two, three, four up. Whoa. Ah, shoot. Easy. Sorry, I dislocated my pinky, but. Is it out right now? No, I will pop back in. Okay, full rest. This is the Olympic gold medalist. This is like the darling of the wrestling world. What happened? We are back. We are welcome. Uh, we are welcoming Helen Marulis to the show. Um, Helen, I don't know if you've seen that clip, that two-minute clip. But I watched it this morning. Uh, um, powerful. And I'm I'm curious, how did this this opportunity for this documentary get on your radar? And did you have any apprehension going into it, knowing that there, you're going to have to have this level of um, you know candor? talking about some really, really difficult stuff. Yeah, so the uh, director, Dylan Mulek, we met in 2018. Actually, he met my manager at the time, Andrea Courtney, and he wanted to do, I guess, a screenplay about the 2016 Olympics. And she said, oh, you should really hear what Helen's going through now. And so once we got to talking, he pivoted uh, and they decided to do a documentary instead. Um, at the time, it didn't seem like I was, I don't know, I've always been an open book. I don't really like to hide things. So it was just a director and one camera guy. It didn't, it didn't seem like anything big, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> I guess now a lot more people are seeing it. So I realized that I, I did share a lot. I did really open myself up, but I don't regret that at all. And um, I'm happy with the movie and, with you know, being able to share this with people. What are you most excited for people to see or, or? What do you want them to take away from from watching the the documentary believe i think i'm most excited for people to see wrestling in the light of um filmmaking in a very i think artistic way i i think everyone that's on the project was incredibly talented and they really the way that they like visually told this story was just so cool the creative concepts that they came up with and i think what i'm most excited to share is just 
my journey with people and, you know, just hopefully providing hope or anything that it can. Um, if, if it helps anyone in any way, then I'm, I'm really excited to do that. So you, you, as you mentioned, you're, you're an open book. Could you talk a little bit about what were the challenges that you were, you were going with? Everyone, everyone knows about the, the concussions, but um, beyond that, or in, in addition to that, what else were you going through that made this, um, this film a, a unique opportunity for the, for the filmmakers? Well, I would say the way that a lot of the feedback that we've been getting from the audiences that have already started watching it from the film festivals is just that you get to see this, literally this on-screen transformation, um, not like physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And I guess documentaries generally aren't, generally aren't done in real time. You normally do a documentary about like something after it happened, but I think the fact that it was done in real time um, really feels like you're bringing people along and you get to see a lot. I, I don't, I don't know how else to say it. Um, sorry. I hope that answered your question. No, absolutely. Now, so you say they're following you in real time. Is it, it's through your, your run through the 2021, uh, 2020 Olympic games in, in Tokyo. Yeah. And it, it touches a bit of how I got started and then, you know, like, uh, you know, all the good years with wrestling and then, you know, and all the bad stuff or, and then, you know, kind of the, the comeback. Gotcha. Um, so when, when, how can we watch this, uh, this film? I, I want to see it. Yeah. So it's in, uh, it's playing one night only on March 30th. It's going to be in 700, uh, theaters across America. And so you can just go to fathom.com um, and to events, and then you can just search Helen believe, and that should come up and then you can buy tickets there. Or I think you can buy it through your local movie theaters too. too. Okay, cool. Um, so definitely, definitely check that out. Um, what else are, are um, had, did you learn throughout the process of, of, of this film? What was, what was fun about it? What was interesting? Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it many times. I saw it in uh, some of its earlier first drafts and then throughout. So what did I learn? Um, well, I learned that I really want to be a lot more intentional with my words. I think the first time I watched it, I was just, oh, why did I say it this way? Or well, like, this is going to seem this way. Or I don't know. I was very self-critical. Um, but I will say that it was interesting to kind of get to learn about the filmmaking world. And um, the director and the uh, some of the camera guys, they had stayed with me for the last four weeks before... Um, before I went to Tokyo. And so just a lot of interviews and getting to talk and then being so intentional about how to accurately describe the story, the things that I was feeling, I think was very healing in and of itself. And I think it also helped me to prepare for Tokyo. Um, it really gave me like a lot of clarity and insight. So that was really cool. That's great. And you'll, you'll get to see the teammates, you get to see, uh, you know, all my uh, Olympic teammates and um, you know, some of their journey as well. So it's, it's, yeah, that's actually my favorite part is like all the team stuff. And, you know, talking about competition, um, kind of transitioning here, what what has been the focus for you since the World Championships? You've had one competition since uh, the World Championships in Serbia. Um, what's been the focus for you since that time? Yeah, I think the focus, uh, you know, I did a bunch of camps. Um, I, you know, I was tra traveling around doing camps, wanted to learn new stuff. 
And then I went to Croatia and I just didn't really feel totally ready and prepared. So that was, that was my mistake. So now I'm, I've just been staying in one location. Um, I have some great training. I've had amazing training, like people come to train with me. Sarah Hildebrandt came, Yui Sasaki Olympic champ from Japan came and trained with me for a week and then Dom world champ. So it's just been amazing. Um, and I'm really excited. The next thing will be the Pan Am championships in May. Awesome. Talk about training with Sasaki. I mean, she's, I mean, as good as, as anyone in the world. Um, what, what was that training like? How much have you trained with, with Japanese competitors in the past? Um, just how do they approach it a little bit differently? Obviously they're, they're currently the gold standard for, for yeah. really wrestling in the world right now. Yeah. I love Yui Sasaki first of all, but it was one of the best weeks of training I've probably, I think, ever had in my life. It was so, so amazing. I trained with um, Mukaida last year when I was living in Greece. She came out. And, you know, one thing I really, like, respect about Japan is um, they're, they're not secretive, but they're very strategic and they're very wise with, like, how they're training. But when Yui came, it was just, like, she's just so, like, bubbly and nice and anything that I asked her, she would show me and she would explain it. And like, we were just kind of speaking in these really, really cool terms. And so we were just sharing with each other back and forth. And I think that's the first time I've really started to understand and get to learn about the Japanese system. And so I'm so grateful that she was just so generous with that and just like her character and seeing her on and off the mat. Uh, just, she's such a true champion. And it was, I don't know, man. I just, I like, I love that girl. So um, I'm hoping that we'll get to visit again and keep training, but her philosophy, her wrestling IQ is just phenomenal. What if for, for a fan that, that doesn't know, how would you describe, and you, you mentioned the Japanese system. What, what is different? What is the one thing that sticks out? It's like, Oh, we don't do it like that. So uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the um, avatar, the last airbender. I haven't. JD. Has. Okay. So, so basically there's elements, there's earth, wind, fire, air. And ever since I watched that, I'm, I like to categorize countries as certain elements. So I would say Japan is like air. I think Russia is water. I think the USA is earth or sorry, Japan is um, yeah. Air. And then like Ukrainians or like China, like everyone has a little bit of fire in them. Um, but so I think what makes Japan really great is they have really, really good positioning, but their movement and from getting to learn like deeper from, from Yui about the thought process of why they're doing this move or grabbing this way. I'm like, Oh, this is just, man, they, they, it's just, yeah, it's very high level. I wish I could explain it better, but um, yeah, they're, they're really cool. I, I think that they, they have good positioning and they're very quick um, and they're very tactical and I think that in the U.S. we have like our really great skill sets too, and so if, if we combine those, I think, yeah, I think that'll really make for a great wrestler. So that's what that's I'm great. trying to do right now. How much of a uh, of a language barrier was there between you two? Uh, not not really. Yui's really intelligent. Uh, she's been learning English for um, a couple of years now, so awesome. We honestly could just speak and get by for the most part. That's great. Uh, so. You mentioned um, you you weren't ready to compete when you when you competed at at the Zagreb. When do you know you're you're ready to go? What what sort of signals do you have where you're like, okay, I'm ready to go out and compete at a championship level? Um, I think I'm learning more 
now of how to know when I'm not ready, uh, which is helping me to know when I am. I, I think you can always be ready. So that's why I, I, I didn't think I wasn't ready before um, I competed. It's just after I'm like, oh, I realize I do better if I've been consistently training in my own space rather than going from camp to camp. Because when you're at camp, you're not really focusing maybe so much on getting what you need to feel to be ready. I was focusing more on like doing the camp or making sure I got good feels with foreigners because I wanted to make the most of that. And um, by the time I got to the tournament, I was like, ah, I'm tired or I didn't do as much lifting as I had wanted or this or that. So um, I think for me now, it's more realizing just train in one place consistently and maybe do camps after tournaments rather than right before. But I think that, I mean, honestly, I think I could have just changed one aspect of my mindset and competed way better. And um, so grab could have been different. So it's not like it's not an excuse or anything. Um, it's just it was more helpful information for me moving forward. Sure. Um, thinking about uh, ma making the team again, um, is there are there any Team USA athletes that are on your radar that you think you could potentially see at, at Final X? Um, I, I mean, anyone at the weight class is is on you know is on my radar. I know Alex Hendrick. We wrestled last year, and then Amanda Martinez. Uh, she's um, the number three, and so um, she's been competing as well. But I'm really just focused on on myself, and honestly, I'm focused on um the world and i think if i if i focus on being number one in the world that will take care of everything else at the end of the the clip we saw it was, it was coach cal from the from the training lab and someone you you hear a lot about especially in wrestling circles a lot of high high level wrestlers including yourself have have um gone there to to the layperson that doesn't know what what is it about that that training that um so many wrestlers are, are flocking to and seeing great results. What What is it that they do there? I I wouldn't say it's the training. I think what's makes Coach Cal really great is that he's taking on um, everything. So like supplementation, diet, sleep, he's tracking all of that. And he's not going to coach you if you don't do all those things. So you can't say, well, I want to do this, but not that. It's like you really have to do everything right. And so I think he knows that that's kind of what, what it takes to get to get results. And, um, he's just phenomenal with that. It's ever since I've been working with him, I've never, ever had to worry about a weight cut. Like literally I couldn't, if I didn't talk to him for three months and text him 10 days before, and I'm like, Hey, here's my weight. And this is what I need to be. And what do I do every day? He'll just email exactly what it is and how to change what I'm eating or drinking. And nothing's ever like hard or painful or miserable. It's like, you're literally just following the plan and the plan gets done. So um, that's really, really cool. And it takes a lot of the like stress and worry off of the wrestler. Cause I know that he's back there crunching the numbers and, um, knowing the metabolic processes in the body and what I need to, to feel good. When did you first make the, make the connection with him, with him in the training lab? In 2018, um, I, about, I went to California about six weeks before the world championships and we just started working together there. Awesome. Um, where are you training now? Are you, are you still at Arizona? How has training been going? So I've been in Arizona, or I guess I've been traveling a lot um, for the last couple of months. I gave myself till, till January to focus on some personal life things. And, um, and then in January I came or uh, competed and then came back, but they uh, wanted me to be in LA for the month of March for um, any PR leading up to the film. So after uh, in April, I go back to Phoenix and I start training. Awesome. Well, I'm training now, but I go back there. How much do you think about um, 
what what would be next for you after after your competition career is done? Do you see yourself in coaching? Do you see yourself um, stepping away from the sport? What where do you see yourself after, or do you even think about that? Mm, I love the sport. I'm pretty sure I'm addicted to it. So <laughs> I don't see myself ever fully walking away. I love uh, coaching and the art of coaching, and I think that. Um, you know, I'm very motivated to want to be a great coach. I don't know if that's like the only thing that I want to do. There's many things that I want to do outside of sport as well. So I think I would try and kind of do both and maybe just help out in coaching where I can. Or, um, and, and then I can pursue, pursue some other things. So how excited are you about the, the growth of NCAA wrestling within women's wrestling and emerging sports stats and all, all that stuff? Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for the growth of women's wrestling. And uh, like I've been saying it for forever and I feel like a lot of us now have been seeing it, you know, coming for a while, but I just, I can't wait to start seeing women's wrestling in NCAA division one, uh, league. And I, I think it's just going to be one of the most popular sports, but that's my very biased opinion, but it's, it's cool. And it's cool that girls have this opportunity. Yeah. We're, we're excited for it as well. Um, well, well, Helen, it's been it's been great having you on. Um, Want to kind of give you the last word. Anything else to add about the about the documentary? What's what's coming up with you? We look forward to watching you at Pan Am's. But uh, any parting parting thoughts? Uh, no, nothing on my end. I mean, yeah, I just I encourage everyone to check the film out. Um, it's it's more than just a wrestling story, and um, I hope hope they enjoy it. <laughs> If you can't watch it in the theater, is there is there another way you can watch it down the line? Are there plans? I don't know about that. I honestly haven't. I've just kind of been doing my job. And then uh, with the information that I have, I've been sharing. Um, so I don't know anything about that yet. Gotcha. Well, we'll we look forward to watching it and checking it out however we can. Um, Helen Believe, March 30th. That's this week. So... Find your way to the theater. Helen, thank you so much for coming on. We'll see you at Pan Am's or Final X. See you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Helen. Thanks. Olympic champion, three-time world champion, eight-time eight medalist, so many medals. It changes every year. <laughs> every year. Uh, Man, I would have I would have liked to watch uh, her and Susaki. Scrap that's what bit. I was thinking. <laughs> I kind of wanted to just stay there and just talk about those roles and like what that was like because. Yuri is as good as anyone um, in wrestling right now. Um, and she's trained with Mukaeda as well, who's also phenomenal. Uh, so excited to watch her at Pan Am's. And, you know, she she did take the, you know, she referred to the loss at, at the grab, but Helen's someone who is, she's taken losses in the, I guess what you could call the regular season, but every time, you know, um, she shows up at the Worlds or, or Olympics, she's, almost always delivers, comes home with some hardware. So I would expect that for for Helen coming up as well. Also speaking of women legends, Adeline Gray just registered for the U.S. Open this morning. How about that? When did she have her children? This is remarkable. It was within the, the past at least 12 months, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, well, yeah, definitely within the last year. It feels like like eight months maybe. Hold on. All right, let's just let's just get on the gram and see if we can figure this out via math. I don't know. But 
it'll be at uh, 76 kilos, obviously, where Kennedy Blades is registered as well. So we could potentially get that match. And what's Kylie Welker's plan? Do we think she'll be down at 72? I'm not sure. She's not registered. Okay. Yet. And I know she was recovering from an uh, an injury, which is why we haven't seen her in a while. So. Okay. Um, then Amita Lore is also looms. Correct. She, <laughs> she won 72 already. So it's going to be uh, – we've got a lot of depth now. The question is, Tamira Mensa Stock, are we going to see her um, – it's kind of, it's it sounds up in the air if she'll if she'll compete for for Team USA or not, but uh, we're obviously hopeful she does because she's she's like Helen when when she competes she often wins. Okay, it's going to be a great great month. I mean, shoot, we got a lot coming up. We got last week was great, or last week we had Pittsburgh Wrestling Classic NHSCAs, and then late April. Going down to Vegas. I know JD's uh JD's excited for that. US, US Open time. Mega con- US Open. Uh because it'll be uh cadet trials as well. Cadet trials and then junior nationals, right? U twenty nationals. Mm-hmm. It's not juniors anymore. Um so we'll have a lot of different tournaments going on there, but most importantly, the senior level it's gonna set the table for final X largely. Should see everyone, and the question is, what do we expect to see? Um, I think this is one of our questions. Like, do we think we'll see? There's talk of Spencer Lee wrestling at the U.S. Open. Have you guys heard anything about that at all? I have. Um, I I wouldn't rule it out. I think, I think as of the day after NCAA's or the day after he lost, I think the plan was the U.S. Open. Um, plans change though, but as far as I know. If I had to make a guess right now, I would guess that Spencer wrestles at the U.S. Open. Um, I hope so. <laughs> oh, you're doubt- doubting? Uh, no. I mean... No one should be... Yeah, there's nothing wrong with doubting it either because if you consider what he's gone through the last couple of years, what happened at NCAs, I would understand. But, um, yeah, I just choose to think he's going to. Yeah, I hope so. Like, wouldn't blame him if he didn't, but I was just thinking... We still then we probably wouldn't get the Thomas Gilman Spencer Lee match until Olympic trials finals. Yeah, if we get it, I mean Spencer would have to get to him as well. Exactly. Um, and I'm curious. Um, yeah, I'm curious who else could emerge at 57. We still don't know who's going to go down, who's going to stay at at, at um, 125. We know Tom is going to be up. I expect Dayton to stay up. Um, but maybe he says, Hey, I need to go down. I don't know, but I would expect him to, um, Suriano. Will be oh a- yeah. Suriano for sure is a 57. And that's the match we will oh my we gosh. get at the open. <clears throat> we never get it though. It's true. It just doesn't happen. We thought we were going to get it at Midlands the one year. Bresser. We thought we were going to get it at senior nationals in 2019. Veto. Veto. So I, it's, I'll just say this, the match is not going to happen. Just just for my own personal, you know, self-preservation. Overs- so I'm not going to get my hopes. Oversell on, or uh, under undersell, over-deliver. Yeah, that's what we're going to do right now. Um, that's my expectation. All right, this is a good question from an AZ wrestling fan. Why is Tarachi not embraced as a villain by the wrestling community? 
In the past, we've seen people act in less controversial ways than him and be vilified. Is wrestling community softening, or is it Penn State's reputation insulating him? By the way, I have no issue personally, says AZ Wrestling Fan. I do think it's interesting. I do think you're touching on the reason it... I do think it's a Penn State thing, personally. I think it's sort of... When when you have the 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 kind of the the villain, the 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 bad boy, and these are not bad in like actual moral terms, but just like in sports, like, you know, you had a Gilman who was like he wore he was a heel for Iowa, Ramos, yeah, even Metcalf, for sure Metcalf. Um, I think it's just more built into the wrestling fans muscle memory of like you see a you see a, a wrestler shove a guy on the on the edge and it's Iowa, it's like it just gets you going there. Whereas like Starachi, and his is more words than anything, I would say. Although he did have the dust up with with uh, DJ Washington, and he danced in front of Nelson Brands. But generally, it's more um, the talk. And I don't know why. I don't know because here's what I'll say: I believe that Starachi is actively in pursuit of being a heel for wrestling. I think that's what he's going for. Um, I don't think it's unintentional that how he markets himself and positions himself and the things he says, you know, I'm sitting there with David um, last week and, and Starachi went on this thing with Shane Sparks and he's interviewing, he's got the aviator uh, sunglasses on inside and Shane asks him, um, who is one person living or dead of all time? If you could spend uh, a day with, who would it be? And before he answered the question, I said to David, I said, he's going to say himself. And he said me, because that's, the persona he is trying to portray, right? So I think um, I don't have an issue with it. I think personalities are great. I do think um, I do think it is largely a Penn State dynamic. And also, by the way, the number one fan base to dislike him already does. Iowa obviously can't stand Carter Strachan. That's so what that I was. You do say have that. He partially is to a lot of people. A villain. Yes. He, he does, he's not completely, he hasn't completely avoided that. Yeah, the largest fan base in America certainly thinks Carter Storacci is a villain and would, would cherish any defeat he suffered. So I think it is happening. I think it's like, I feel like with Penn State, um, they're, they're, you know, Iowa fans can't stand them, but I feel like more or less fans are just kind of like, in. Eh, could go either way with with Penn State. They don't have they haven't reached the level of hatred that that Iowa has, which Iowa wore as a badge of honor that, you know, it's like remember the shirts they all wear is like it's okay, we hate you too. Like they the Iowa fans um sort of us first them. Cherish that. Huh? Hawks first world. Us first them. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like I don't think Penn State is as uh and even their fans are as caught up in that. And I, yeah. And with Guys, for the most part, there aren't any on the. You mentioned the the two with Starachi, but there aren't too many on the mat antics or issues. No, really, we haven't had a flap gate. Yeah, we haven't had you know <laughs> nothing, nothing like we haven't had the the Caldwell the slam, shove. Yeah, um, yeah. So generally, face mushing. Right. Um, so I think it's a. I think it's an. If he was an, if he was an Iowa Hawkeye, um, it would be. It would be taken up. It would notch. be in yeah. It would be insane. Um, this is my belly rumbling. Um, okay. If if Carter goes undefeated next season and wins the Hodge, where will he rank all time? 
It'll be a good question. So he'll have add losses to DJ Washington. It'll be a trivia question. And Michael Kemmer. And that's it. Correct. So two losses all his freshman year. Um that will put that will put him up there because he could technically have four undefeated seasons then. Uh which is obviously rarefied error. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna put him in the does he go I mean he's not I don't think he goes in the Dake realm, Steber. I don't know how he's viewed. Is he viewed like a ringer? No, I think for sure ahead of a ringer. Um, the credentials would be similar. Well, if he's a he's a five time NCAA champion. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just thinking about wins and losses. Yeah. Um, well, he'll only be four next year. Also, he says he's not going to do the fifth, but I, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. Even though he says, you know what, someone showed me. I I don't know if this is real, but Carter Storacci. According to what someone showed me yesterday, which is one of Caleb's teammates in, at the Outlaws, he's got a LinkedIn profile. I don't LinkedIn really. Um, hold on, let me see if I can find Carter Storacci, which is just the funniest premise of all time. That all right, check out Carter's um, LinkedIn. He says, "This is so funny. I am self-driven, hardworking, creative individual. I always learn, implement ideas and techniques into my life as a whole." I'm present in the moment and allow all my power to... All right, I'll keep going. I love what I do and I do what I love. I will be a five-time NCAA champion, multiple-time World Olympic and UFC champion. Can't so be, Can't be lying on the he, LinkedIn. Th- yeah, you can't lie on LinkedIn. That can have professional... <laughs> that can do professional harm. So, I don't know. He says he's going to be a five-timer. I don't know when he last updated his LinkedIn. I think there's a, there's a LinkedIn Pro or some sort of like gold... Um, addition of LinkedIn. I will never pay for LinkedIn, so I don't really know for sure. But um, his last uh, little profile picture is him on the podium with Mackay last year. So there Did you go. Within the last year. Within the last year. So maybe he is. But in the fall, he said, I have no plans of that. And then remember, the questions we were answering Monday after NCAs were, would you, are you guys uh, – or is Storacci going to come back next year, like for his fourth, which I, which I said yes, for sure. But he was talking like maybe not, but I think he certainly will. Okay. Um, oh, my gosh. I just want to read this dude. I haven't read this question yet, but his, his Twitter handle, I wish Ben was here, is Gene Mills has more pins than Ben. He used the wrong then Dan, but I'm not going to hold that against Mills' pin record. One of the challenges was starting a small wrestling league with the RTC. And why hasn't anyone been able to start a successful wrestling league? And is Flo ever considered with the RTC or any kind of wrestling league? And and shove it and pin face that Gene Mills has the pin record. Man, I wish Ben was here. Well, well, the challenges are money. And wrestlers want a lot of it to do it, but they don't make as much as they want. So that is a huge challenge and really tough to overcome. So... That is why um, I think it hasn't been able to be started, if you want my opinion on it. And yes, there have been attempts and flirted with it, but ultimately it can't get off the ground um, when the fi- financials, you know, sort of upside down. So that's a big challenge. Um, I was trying to ask Helen uh, more about the kind of what the Japanese women do in terms of their training situation in Japan 
I know there's one college that a lot of them go to. Yeah. Kind of similar to a Penn State, but do basically all of them train together? Or is it similar to here where you've got groups and pockets and some kind of do their own thing? Yeah, that's a great question. I would love to know that. Um, Yeah, I kind of – I didn't want to, like, make her talk about Japanese wrestling the whole time, but I am fascinated. (laughs) We don't really get a window into what's going on there all that often. Um, Yeah. Maybe we need to. Maybe Ben needs to send a spy there. <laughs> he should be spend, sending spies to Penn State, Dagestan, and Japan. Put all that together. We might bring them all to Wisconsin. Bring them to Wisconsin. Uh, from Bogglehead Warren, how surprised are you that South Dakota State had a finalist since Bono left, but Wisconsin has not? Um. Um. Sort of surprised. Um, well, but at the same time, I was not supply, surprised that that Sloan made the finals this year. But yeah, you say it out loud, it's like they've got Austin Gomez coming there. I mean, Evan Wick was someone you, you really thought could have made the finals for them. He left. Um, Hamity. Dude, Hamity, he was on Keegan's side. He looked so good going into after his first two matches. And after how he looked at Big Tens, I know it looks silly to say it now, but I was fascinated for uh, a Keegan versus Dean semi match. Got his number though, but he can't beat a mean. <laughs> uh, I mean. The tournament Amin had was insane. He beat Hamity and Griffith. Uh, awesome tournament for him and Kennedy. But um, a, a little surprised. But I mean, listen, I I I had a lot of confidence that Damien Hod would do a great job, and uh, he's yep. doing that, and. So I'm not I'm not all that surprised because he's the man. He's a great coach, and it's really hard to get in, say, finalist as like you know Gomez was right there. I feel like uh, you know Wick's been there, so not, not insanely surprised. Number two, Sasso moves up. Who's number one to start the season? Shane Van Ness or Ridge? Love it. I think it's Ridge. Um, personally, I think yeah, for sure. For sure, Shane came on awesome at the end, but Ridge has a, a, a volume of data that and an NCAA Finals appearance wins over. Um, and Donian and Tariq and, and so he beat. outplaced Gomez. Mm-hmm. So in that run, I think I think it should be him, but uh, th- hopefully that's a duel that happens next year and they, those two wrestle. But I think. You got to go with a more consistent um, entity. Which who were who were Ridge's losses that year? Yanni twice. Lost to Ding Go- Gomez. Beat Gomez him? beat him at Big Ten. Yeah, he bombed him. So yeah, that's my that's my read on it right now. Um, but it'll be up to Kozak and JD to decide, and maybe to the highest bidder. JD's not above it. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Other questions. And um, don't forget, Yanni handled Ridge in the NCAA Finals, but that CKLV match. Super close. Overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we hit them all. I think we did it. I'm not going to ask that Peyton Fix question. Um, okay. That's it. The show is over. It has concluded. It is the end. Uh, we thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back on Wednesday. 
I'm Hecker High Water. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you. Special thanks to Helen Maroulis. Really looking forward to watching her compete at Pan Ams and then Final X again, where I tried to get her to say who she might rest, but it looks like she's going to run away with making the team again. If you ask me, want my opinion, I don't see anyone challenging her at this point. Team USA ranks. Please check out her film, Helen Believe, March 30th. I I looked it up. Uh, I think you can check her Twitter, and there's a link there. You can search for all the um, theaters where it's going to be playing on March 30th. So check that out. And then hopefully it gets released streaming somewhere that we can watch it. Um, Because the closest theater to us was Fort Worth. And I'm not going to be able to get there March 30th. So hopefully another time. Thank you guys so much. Thanks to JD. Thanks producer Tyler. And especially you for listening. We'll see you Wednesday. Thank you. Goodbye.